Welcome to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. I'm Liz and I'm obsessed with the future of work and all things co-working and flexible work. In our second season, we're focusing on technology. I'll be interviewing amazing humans from all over the map in this five-part series. We'll be exploring the future of work, technology, new models, and of course, somehow I'll work in some health and wellness. Let's get started. So I am so excited to have Brian Meese join me today for Workplace Trends because we've been friends for a long time now, Brian. We have. Thank you so much for having me, Liz. It's always wonderful co- to connect with you. I never know what to expect, but it's uh, <laughs> always good. As we, had a, we had a call with Canada the other day and somebody was like, the best advice you can give is always pick up Liz's phone call because you never know what's coming. And I was like, oh, I love very that. True. <laughs> very true. Very true. And I'm so old school. I still call people. I love it. You know, I, I really feel like voice is more communication and text is kind of more notification, you know? Yeah, I love that. That is awesome. I'm going to steal that. Um, So we're going to do a quick speed round because I love a speed round. So top of the mind, and then uh, we'll really get started. Okay. First things first, app you can't live without. Oh man, I've been checking Coinbase a lot. (laughs) That's okay. I can't live without Google Maps. Phone alarm or old school alarm? Well, I would prefer in an ideal world, I would prefer an old school alarm. But the reality is I've I rely on uh, I rely on my phone for an alarm. But okay. In my Real- in my in my ideal life, I would still have a clock that rings. I love it. Well, you can you can put that ringer on. It'll be just like it. Robots in the house? Yes or no? No. Uh, last app you downloaded? Peloton. I love it. COVID nineteen, good or bad for technology? Well, that's a, that. We'll unpack some of that in the call. I don't think I could label it good or bad. I think there's a lot a lot to unpack. A lot of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, acceleration has happened with COVID-19 and, uh, and a lot of pain. There's some companies that were executing well that through no fault of their own, yeah, you know, aren't, aren't able to. So, so we'll, we'll unpack that in the call, but I don't think I could label that good or bad right now. All right. That's fair. That's fair. So just one more thing and then we'll dive into technology. But the most important thing is in these wacky times, how are you? That is a great question. Thank uh, you. And it used to be the, like the, the softball question. And, and now mm-hmm. it's a pretty serious. It's a pretty serious question. I think mm-hmm. the serious answer for me is as I feel solid. That's an honest answer that I think reflects kind of my my emotional state. You know, I'm I'm in a I'm in a good mood. You know, our business is is doing well, all things considered. We'll obviously mm-hmm. talk about that in the call as well. I, my family is good. Um, I'm feeling healthy. As I mentioned, I downloaded that Peloton app and feeling mm-hmm. pretty good. So um, you know, I feel I feel solid. I feel oh, solid. That's great to hear. Good to hear. And yeah, it is it is like, you know, that used to be just like, oh, how are you? I'm fine. And then we moved on. But now I'm like, I'm really serious. Like, how are you? And I really, really appreciate that. And I'm so glad to hear that you are solid. And, you know, we have a, have a history of, of answering that question pretty candidly, you and I. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's led to some really amazing conversations through the last, you know, almost decade that we've known mm-hmm. each other. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we, we've kept it pretty real when it comes to that question. But it is it, it is one that now I think has a little more weight to it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, you know, we met through Juicy many years ago when you were doing crowdfunding. And now you've gone full circle and you're in a form of the co-working industry. I love it. Yeah, we definitely have a tentacle there and, you know, in, in 
in the co-working space. And, and you know, my my venture, you know, that I that I met you with, you know, years ago was in the crowdfunding space. And crowdfunding and co-working were kind of these these cousins that kind of came mm-hmm. up in the same chapter around collaboration and you know pulling together resources to make things happen. And so that was kind of cool to see both in of those industries kind of become you know back of the napkin ideas into fully fledged movements. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know it was cool to kind of watch both of those segments grow and evolve and continue to grow and evolve. But yeah, you know, I've always felt a kinship to the to the co-working model. And you know, a lot has changed obviously with the pandemic, but mm-hmm. there's still a lot of cool things that we're seeing, you know, with my my current lens um from from Greenlight Go, which is you know firmly planted in the film and television space. And we connect, you know, connect producers to facilities, services, spaces uh, on a national and international scale. So um it's been really, really interesting uh, to see this company evolve uh, in the pandemic and to see what's happening, you know, with my friends in the, in the co-working sector and how we have been able to collaborate. Yeah. So for the audience, you, you gave us a very high level overview of Greenlight Go. But so I'm a Netflix producer and I want to go shoot something in lovely Austin, Texas. And I get on Greenlight Go and I can get everything I need. Uh, more or less. Yes. <laughs> um, so basically we're, we're a marketplace for you, a producer, you get, you get your show picked up, you get it greenlit. You might need writer's rooms to, to kick off the concepts. You might need production offices as a home base for the show. Uh, you probably need some studios to actually roll cameras and lights. You might need some remote streaming services nowadays. We've got that too. You might need post-production to snap all the pictures and pieces and graphics together. We have all of those things in our platform. Uh, we're a dual-sided marketplace, so we don't own or manage um, the facilities. We have them as, as vendor partners, so we curate every one of those vendors and make sure they're appropriate for our audience of, of, of producers. But then we put them, you know, all on the platform, and the producer can kind of go through and say, you know, to your exact point, and we actually have this happen. Uh, hey, my God, I just got a show. It's picked up. It's going to Austin. I need production offices. I need studios. I need some COVID-19 support. I need some streaming. Um, and they'll go through uh, our platform and pick what they need and book it through a streamlined system. Wow. So take me back to, I know you guys had some good traction before COVID, but I feel like COVID hit and I can imagine you guys just went into like not panic mode, but planning mode of, oh my God, we need PPP. We need a whole different set of things. Where do we buy the thermometers and or thermostats or whatever? And like, did it just quadruple or, you know, what did oh, it do I, to your business? Well, well, it's interesting. It's, it's there's um, you know, a lot, uh, a lot, again, a lot to unpack there in that question. You know, the company, the, the platform just turned two years old uh, in January of 2021. So we're a brand new company. And, and, you know, the founders of the platform, Colby Gaines and Michael Hershorn, you know, come from the world of television. They're both incredibly accomplished in that world. And so I was really, really lucky <laughs> to be able to make friends with these guys. Guys, uh, early on in my career, earlier on in my career, when they had this idea to to run a, a dual sided marketplace, they thought of me to quarterback it, and I was super excited. I looked, I started to do the research and think, and I thought, wow, this you know the content boom is happening. The next generation of producers is used to booking, you know, from pizzas to cars to to you know to Airbnb. This is how they're used to doing things. So it was a big opportunity, and you know, our first year out, we launched in 2019, and we were just rocking and rolling. I mean, we were booking stuff. We 
We had, you know, the, the, the pedigree of Colby and Michael behind us. We were able to get in front of anybody and everybody we wanted to, uh, did a, a, a launch at a, at a industry event, you know, we're able to nab a bunch of clients, a bunch of vendors. In our first year, I was kind of feeling, you know, feeling like we were flying pretty high. Um, and, you know, Q1 of 2020, we hit our all-time high with revenue and, and then Q2 happened and it was just free fall, right? All production stopped, the world stopped. Yeah. I mean, it was only, gosh, what was the, you know, almost a year ago, but it, it feels like, you know, uh, depending on the day, it feels like either just yesterday or forever ago. Exactly. Yeah. Time is time. The time warp is really odd right now. Time warp is crazy odd, but you know, we, we hit a complete free fall as the production. Our our market is tied to the production world. So if production is going, we're going production is not going, then we're not going. Mm-hmm. And so there was a free fall there for, for most acute too. And so the first couple of weeks, it was just kind of like, what's going on in the world? I mean, it was, you know, it was really, you know, pretty scary from a personal perspective, from a business perspective, the markets were in free fall. So not a whole lot happened for that first couple of weeks. And then uh, we got the team together and we said, look, you know, where are, you know, where are, where are the opportunities? Where is the white space? And so I've got um, one of my team team members, uh, Alex Kress, I uh, was talking about, you know, some of the, the papers and some of the documentation we've seen come out of the CDC and some of the things that the unions were, you know, um, circling. This is before any white papers and things went out. Um, and so he got really smart on what was happening with the production world and the protocols tied to COVID-19. Um, and so we immediately started looking for vendors to, to, to to help uh, supplement those needs. Um, and that was kind of our game was like, okay, well, our assumption was production is going to come back. It's going to come back sooner than later if there's a safe and responsible way to do it. And if there's a safe and responsible way to do it, what are those vendors going to need? Or what, what do we need as, as vendors and what do our producers uh, need? And so we just started, you know, getting smart on the space and, and plugging in some different vendors to help support productions uh, specifically with, with COVID-19. Um, and also on the space and facility side, you know, that's where things like remote streaming started to, you know, be a thing everybody needed. Uh, remote mm-hmm. editing or, or cloud-based editing became a thing everybody needed. And then what was super interesting is that we were started getting calls not not long, you know, after uh, that free fall, we started getting kind of some nibbles for office spaces. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is interesting because you would think, okay, you know, everyone's working remote. And what we started to see was that the needs for producers had changed, but they hadn't been as disrupted as we may have thought. Uh, number one, you know, the film and television workflow, uh, it's still like this wonderfully orchestrated form of chaos where you have, you know, show gets greenlit and then it's always in flux. It's always changing. The cast is changing. The writers are changing. The script is changing. The, the sets are changing. And and because of the, the dynamics and the creative dynamics and, uh, and the deadlines and the technical dynamics, there's just a need for people to be around each other. Now, maybe it's not a hundred people, you know, some of the stuff we were doing last year was maybe 10 people, but they were still all getting together in a, in a safe, you know, way after getting tested and, and having PPP and all the right things that they need on the set, but they were still getting together to make television and film. So we thought, wow, this is really interesting. And then they were also still asking us for, for offices. Uh, they didn't want the big 30,000 square foot, you know, HQ anymore, but they still needed, you know, some space 
to get the to, to for nothing else other than a, a base camp and for what what I call now the hybrid model, which is like where people kind of come and go and and and, and collaborate um, mm-hmm. off of. And they also needed more space. They needed you know the the, the you know we're, we're based in New York, so packing them you know a bunch of people into a tight you know sardine can. You know, we call it a, a, a bull a bullpen space, but it's really more of a sardine can. <laughs> you know, you just pack them all in there. No one wanted to do that anymore, right? So right. needed more space for for less people. Um, and then they were also they had the budgets because we work with some of the biggest streaming you know platforms and and and, and media companies and networks. Yeah, you the have planet. the craziest anomaly ever. You're in New York City with people that are back to work and that need space and are prepared to go into space when everything else around you is shutting down. That's right. I, I, you you uh, saved me a lot of um, a lot of words there, Liz. <laughs> but you're exactly right. Now, now one differential I think is is worth noting, and, and I think it plays well with our you know with our our co-working roots is that they didn't need space for five years, ten years. Right. right. You did it for three months, five months, nine months, 15 months. Maybe it's a year with options if the show goes or it gets picked up or it gets renewed or extended. So there, we're still playing in, I guess, the traditional real estate model would probably call this short term. I call it kind of more a medium term because it's not, it's not, you know, it, it's not like a week or, or, a, or a month. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting months. because like one of the things that Adam Newman of WeWork did straight off the bat was he, he made everything month to month right off the bat. And that was different. And, you know, now it's interesting because, you know, the real estate world has come up with this term flexible, which really just refers to space as a service and having flexible lease terms. That's right. But it's kind of all the same. Yeah, but that at the time that was super disruptive, right? Yeah. Yeah. That and, and and you know, by way of further background, you know, my 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 company, we we launched out of a co-working space. Mm-hmm. Um, ultimately, we were acquired out of a co-working space because mm-hmm. you know, we had a cup of coffee. So co-working can be a really powerful model just to cross-pollinate lots of lots of people. Uh, but the idea that you could kind of come in, not have a big huge security deposit, not sign a big hefty lease. And basically, be month to month in a cool office in Midtown. I mean, that's pretty pretty disruptive. You know, yep. 10, ten years ago, whenever we were doing it. So um, now, now it's become more 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 of more or less table stakes. I think within the co working industry, but but what I've seen, what I've seen that's really interesting is that is kind of the the top players in the in the traditional real estate world being a lot open to these kinds of models. Uh, where well, they have no choice now. Nobody's going with their old school way of, I'm going to buy a building and I'm going to carve it up. And then you're going to sign a minimum of a five-year lease. And um, I'll talk to you again when it's time to renegotiate. And I'll bump it every year. That's right. That's right. Yeah. We're, we're, we're um, seeing a lot of the largest you know, um, landlords out there uh, you know, come to us and, and come onto the platform and be very open, be very collaborative you will on how we structure these and you know with you know basically a lot of flexibility for the producers which is what they need the producers you know these shows could also go at any time they can they could get green lit green lit and blow up and become the next big hit or they can implode it's almost like this accelerated it reminds me a lot of like the startup world only it's on a very fast timeline you mm-hmm. either make the show it goes it's a hit or it goes nowhere and it's just done and this can be like in, a, in the span of a couple of years and uh, if it goes then great then you need more space you need more you know and if it doesn't 
then you don't know wants to be stuck holding the bag from a producer standpoint with like a five or 10 year office lease if the show doesn't go right. uh, or their slate doesn't go. And so, you know, this, this model, I think is, it's here to stay. It, it's got a lot, I think it's got a lot of staying power in the current dynamic. Yeah, for, yeah, sure. for sure. So how has Greenlight Go used technology to, to further the experience? Well, that's a great question. I mean, I think we, we came into this with a heavy technology lens, if you will, because I was surprised because a lot of the folks in the, in the media world, are, they're some of the sharpest, most creative people you'll ever meet. And then when I started to look at the workflow, I was like, this is super antiquated. Like, this is really, I was surprised uh, yeah. at how, you know, how the workflow, how choppy and inconsistent it was and stuff. So that's what some of, some of the things that we're working on with Greenlight Go is to streamline the booking process so that the, the line producers, the unit production managers, the post supervisors, the heads of productions, those, those those are our clients. Those are the actual people, our personas that we serve as clients. Mm-hmm. We make it as easy as possible so they can now go through Greenlight Go and get COVID-19 support. They can get their office space. They can get a remote writer's room. They can get some, some edit bays uh, out of Atlanta. They can get a, 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 an insert studio in any country and, in, in, you know, in the mm-hmm. States or any state, uh, in any state here in the States or a lot of countries abroad. They can get all these things and just kind of go through one portal for it all. Yeah. So they don't have, they're not negotiating with like 12 different vendors. They're not sending payments out and trying to chase invoices. It's all in one package. So how is technology shaping what we do at Greenlight Go? I guess the easiest way to, the easiest metaphor would be that when we started this platform two years ago, I thought we would be selling grilled cheese sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Oh, you need need an office, you know, you need an office for 20 people in Austin, Texas. Gotcha. All right, here's your office and, and, you know, knock yourself out. Um, Where now it's like, and this is a real project. Oh, hey, I need COVID services for a show in, in, in Austin, Texas. I also need offices and I probably gonna need some post uh, and some, uh, you know, some finishing services on the post-production side. So we moved from a, from a grilled cheese sandwich model to like mm-hmm. a double decker, mm-hmm. you know? So some, some of the things that we ask ourselves as a team every day, every week, every month is like, what else can we layer onto that double decker? What else do you need right. as the producer or what do you need as the vendor that's the, on the other side of our, of our marketplace that, that we could layer into that sandwich uh, because that's a big value ad we've realized uh, we kind of stumbled into to be honest we didn't know that uh, when we launched but we realized that having a one-stop shop for the producer to handle all the booking invoicing uh, payments was um was a nice value add well you're just making their life so much easier and you're also you know changing their timeline which i'm sure time is money so yeah. i mean so many benefits so you know one of the things i'm sure our listeners are like oh my god do i need to go get on green light go and list my co-working space um, so the, yeah the answer answer is you should definitely consider it. I think, you know, there are certain markets that are hotter than others when it comes to film and TV production. Obviously, you have, you know, the epicenter of, you know, the, the LA's and the New York's, the Atlanta's, Austin, Miami. We're starting to see more activity in Chicago. Uh, and then we have just these pockets where, where things will fire up. Someone will mm-hmm. ping us, what do you got in New Orleans? You know, hey, what do you got in Vegas? And so there are pockets that, that, that pop up. I think that, you know, the, the, the cool thing about our platform is there's really no risk 
to uh, being on it. You know, a couple of things that we do that are, that are, I think, just really discreet and, and are working really well is, is number one, we don't provide any public names or, or pricing on the platform. It's all about kind of, you know, specs, floor plans, optionality. If you look at our listings, then it's like, you know, click to learn more. And then mm-hmm. at that point, we could find out more about your project. And the reason is not so much, um, you know, a lack of transparency, because when I initially launched the platform, I thought I was going to be super granular. It's going to be, all right, one day is this and one week is that price. And what we found out was that it's a very fluid situation for the vendors, for the folks, you know, in this, in this instance, mm-hmm. for a lot of folks that own co-working, because it might just depend on what else they have going on. You know, sometimes we, we've, we've done deals with production companies that have really aggressive pricing, but the space is like, yeah, I've got nothing going on for the month of February. I'll take the, you know, five or 10 grand to, to, you know, take, turn the space over. Um, right. To a, to a production company for the time that they needed or what or whatnot. So um, you know we 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 recognize that it's there. There's a lot of fluidity in the market. So we don't um, list any public pricing. Um, and then the other thing that we do is we don't list any names. So there's no you know it's all very discreet. It's pictures and specs. And if someone's interested, they reach out to Greenlight Go, and then we reach out to you, the vendor, and say, hey, this is what we got. They're a production company making this you know awesome cooking show, and they need a space for two months, um, and they they think yours could be a good fit. What can we do? Yeah, love it. And I know we've already collaborated on a couple of opportunities. If there's any others out there, just let me know and I'll connect you to my friends and co-working. But you know, that's always the case. Yeah, you, you're, you are, you're like the, uh, you know, uh, you're like the, the, the epicenter of all things co-working. <laughs> well, this is doing amaze me. <laughs> well, thank you. I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I sure try to be. <laughs> Okay, so I know you're under NDAs and such, and you may not be able to answer this question in the manner you would like, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What production were you most geeked out about working on or with? It's such a good question. <laughs> so, so, so I'll, I'll answer that because I, I, I think it's it, it would sound unfair for me to just not be able to answer it. But here's the way that that productions work. Once something is public and out, and mm-hmm. it's on you can the talk air, about it, and it's on, and it's on us on the screen. I could talk about it, and but before that, you know, it, it's very it, we, we can't. You know, it's it, we really can't. Um, I will I will say there's a show that I've been a fan of, and we uh, support uh, we supported their offices through the through the full run of their show out in the West Coast, and that's um, the Drunk History Show. Have you ever I seen? I love that, that show. <laughs> and that's that's one of our clients. I think it's a good example of kind of the type of projects that we do. But what's been really neat over the last couple of years is that there's some really cool stuff coming. And over the last year, mm-hmm. there's some really cool stuff coming because what... So I asked you kind of what I'm excited about, what I'm giddy about. There's some big names that I could drop and those are cool. But the last year has been really interesting for the next generation of producer because if you think about it, a lot of the star-studded, tentpole-driven projects are off the table. Uh, up until recently, sports has been off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you had a show that could be produced in the network um, or the buyer or the streaming platform, you could see that it could be done in a, in a compliant protocol with COVID-19 and it's a good show, Like you got a better chance now than you've ever had you know, in the last decade to like get this show to go. So we've seen some really cool games, like next generation game show projects coming out. We've seen some really cool esports stuff happening, Um, new flavors of talk show that are, you know, focused on a whole new kind of younger audience 
you know, talking about stuff that, that, you know, mm-hmm. I, I barely recognize, but it's, it's exciting to see some of this next generation move into the fold. So mm-hmm. uh, if you're asking me kind of what I'm excited about, that, that would be something I think we're going to see some really innovative programming out of the next couple of years, uh, based on what we have in the pipeline. I love it. So I have one final question for you, but before I ask that question, I'm going to ask you, what should I have asked you that I didn't? Oh, wow. That's a good question. I what know should- it's so tricky. <laughs> You haven't asked me. Basically, ask yourself a question. Yeah, well, no, I, I guess. I guess what 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 am I excited about? You know, would be a good one. What what's what's next? You know, what's what's next? What am I excited about? Where are the opportunities? Because mm-hmm. those are the questions I ask myself, Liz. Like I ask, I'm asking myself, and I ask my team those constantly. Mm-hmm. Um, and my current answer, and again, this is all subject to change. We're in a pretty fluid um, situation, but I think that that. I'm most excited to see that this content boom is just on fire. I mean, so so Disney Disney Plus did last year what it took Netflix 12 years to do in terms of paid subscribers. We got all the big players of launching their own flavors. Of mm-hmm. Meanwhile, we've got the tech companies, you know, Apple and, and the like, kind of getting into the content game at a very high level and premium stuff that they're that they're that they're. Uh, creating obviously with Amazon and and the like. So we're just going to see a big boom of content happening, which I I think is going to provide Greenlight Go a ton of opportunities and also spaces. You know, we're going to need space to create these things. Teams need to come together to to create these shows. Production teams need to come come together to to make the shows happen. Uh, What I'm excited about is is also just how work is, is changed for the better. So you talked about the good and the bad. You know, I think some of the good parts of, of, of what's happening with the pandemic and with our industry specifically is that there's a bit of a hybrid model that's emerging where people can have an office and kind of use it to come into and out of and they're not in it nine to f- you know nine to five or nine to nine mm-hmm. or whatever your hours were but before the pandemic but you still have a home base a place to to collaborate come in and out of and I think we're going to start to see just more of that hybrid model that 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 is that has got flexibility but also super collaborative so i'm excited about you know what the future of work may hold but um yeah that's that's kind of you know if you were to ask me kind of what i was excited about those are some of the things like how how work's going to change potentially for the better and where are the opportunities oh my gosh like don't even get me started on that i will like go off for 15 minutes about the future of work and how great it is and how we now have this opportunity of choice and where we work and you know the thing that's killing humanity right now is stress and mental health and we have this amazing opportunity to change the world for the better and like we better not screw it up now because we have this inflection point that we can take advantage of and it's up to like the doers like you and me to get out there and make sure it happens. Mm -hmm. I know, I know we're going to do our part. Yeah, I know you are too. And I I mean, I am so excited about Greenlight Go. I've watched you guys from the beginning. We collaborated on it early. You, you were, I, I brought this to you, this thing to you when it was still a deck. I was like, what do you think? I was like, do it. I think, I think before I even jumped in as quarterback here, you know, CEO of Green Lake Go, I was doing my due diligence. I think I called you. Um, yeah, it's I, awesome. I, what do you think? 
You're like, yeah, this is good. I love watching it. I love watching it. Okay, so now time warp back to 12-year-old Brian. Were you in Pensacola at that time? In tw- when I was 12 years old, I was in Heidelberg, Germany. Okay, so you're in Heidelberg, Germany. I don't know, riding your bicycle. I don't know what you yeah. do in 12-year-old. I, actually, I was riding a bike in Germany in 12, sure. Yeah, okay. And if you could go back and deliver that 12-year-old Brian a message about your future, what would you tell him? Oh, wow, that's another great question. Oh, thanks. Um, I'm working on yeah, this is good. You know, first of all, I'd probably tell them just to enjoy being a kid. You yeah. Know? <laughs> you know, I, I enjoy being a kid. I think at that age, 12 is a weird age because you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of pretty hormonal and, and you're, you want to be grown up, but you kind of bounce back and forth between like, you know, being interested in girls and interested in, you know, blowing up GI Joes or whatever I was doing. <laughs> as a so I, so I think I would probably tell, tell, tell that first thing I'd tell that 12 year old kid is like everything that you think is stressful from socially to, to not having, you know, the, the drum set that you want, you know, all, it was all, all the stuff that might've been stressful for a 12 year old. Like, it's going to be okay. Like, you're mm-hmm. going to be, you're going to be just fine. And just to enjoy this trip, you know, go, take another spin around the block on the BMX and just enjoy, just enjoy the ride. Uh, and that's probably going to be what I'll, what if I, if I was, you know, 90 telling the, you know, the mid forties version of myself now, like sa- same thing. It's like, yeah. you know, you're, you're only in this chapter for a limited, very, very limited amount of time. You're going to be okay. Just, just, uh, you know, try to, try to, try to enjoy the most, the most that you can out of it. I love it. I love it. There was a uh, stressful time in my life, probably about a year ago. And, um, I heard this song, everything's going to be all right and or everything's going to be okay I don't remember which it was it's like a country song and I just put that sucker on on repeat and believed it and like that carried me through. And, you know, sometimes we forget that like, yeah, it's just, it's all going to be okay. And we're so hard on ourselves. So hard on ourselves. And you, you know, and this like a whole other show, Liz, but back in my previous venture, I would call, I would call you up because we were just burst into seams, fast growing. Yeah. You know, it was like, I was flying all over the world and, and, um, you know, you just get wrapped up in all these little details and these things. And, and if I can go back, you know, 10, 10 years, I'd probably say the same thing. It's like, right. enjoy, yeah. enjoy this spin around the block block and don't, you know, it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right. You don't have to nail every single decision perfectly. You know, if you get it right most of the time, you're going to be fine. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. So it's kind of, it's, it's a great question because it's making me think of all sorts of, all, all sorts of, uh, all sorts of ideas and concepts. So that's great. I love it. I love it. Well, we're going to end on that note because I can't possibly improve on it. So thank you so much for your time. And I'm so glad you're doing well, Brian. And I look forward to watching you guys continue to thrive and grow and change and evolve. Well, thank you, Liz, not only for this podcast, but for all the help and support over the last decade as a colleague and as a friend. Wouldn't have it any other way. Thanks for listening to Workplace Trends with Liz Elam. Please subscribe to the Juicy Podcast to be sure you won't miss our next season. If you enjoyed this episode, please keep listening and throw us a like. Until next time, take care of yourself. Ciao.